Telling It Like It Is program. And I'm Apostle Baker J. Baker, who happens to be a doctor in psychology. And you know who I have on the show with me today, and I am excited. Apostle Michael was with me last week. He's going to be with me again today and for the rest of this month and for the month of August. So I'm not going to go ahead and continue to talk. I'm just going to welcome Apostle Michael because I know that uh, we were talking at the break and he has something that's burning on the inside of him. So Apostle Michael, welcome, welcome, welcome. And go forth and tell us what it is that you're going to teach us today. I'm excited. <laughs> Well, you know, I, I kind of got the, the screaming preacher on me last week a little bit. And, um, you know, that happens. Sometimes I start out being a good boy and I start out teaching and I end up screaming and preaching. And But where we left off, we were talking about the revelation that re you receive that comes from teaching and preaching. And... It's so important that we receive revelation and just something triggered inside of me. And, you know, because we were talking about the wise man and the foolish man and how one built his house on the rock and one built his house on the sand. And then, of course, we have the encounter with Jesus and with Simon. And Jesus says to Simon, on this rock, I will build my church. And that's what I want to start with today. And I want to get into that because most folks that quote it or read it don't understand it. And so let me do a little context. And this is in Matthew chapter 16. And I'm going to start at, at verse 13. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples saying, who do men say that I, the son of man, am? So they said, some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And he said to them, but who do you say that I am? We could really camp right there on that question. Who do you say that I am? And that's something that every person has to determine for themselves. We got a lot of folks that are trying to make it on who grandmama said he was or who mama said he was. But God doesn't have stepchildren and he doesn't have grandchildren. He's got sons. That's it. And so every person is required to determine and decide for themselves who Jesus is. Either he is who he says he was, or he's a fraud. There's no in-between. Who do you say that I am? And then Simon Peter. I, I love Peter. I can relate to Peter because Peter was always quick to act. Peter was always quick to have an answer. And sometimes he nailed it, and sometimes he stuck his foot in his mouth. I've been guilty. Sometimes I've nailed it. And sometimes I've stuck my foot in my mouth. My daddy used to call that having hoof and mouth disease. You know, it's like they're on the Mount of Transfiguration. Oh, Lord, it is good for us to be here. Let's build three tabernacles. 
one for Moses and one for Elijah and one for you. And the voice comes out of heaven. This is my son. Hear him. In other words, Moses and Elijah have done their bit. They're done. The law and the prophets are finished. But it's now about a new covenant that I am instituting that's starting with him. Listen to him and forget about what you know about the law and the prophets because Moses and Elijah are finished. And so I, I relate to Peter, sometimes in zeal, saying the wrong thing. I've done that before. Dr. Baker saying, yeah, me too. And if you don't say that you have, I'm giving an altar call for liars right now because we've all done it. You know, in one, one place in the Bible, it says about Peter, and not knowing what to say, he said, good old big mouth Peter, not knowing what, <laughs> dear Lord God, if there's ever a time you do not want to speak, it's when you don't know what to say. When you don't know what to say, you do not belong saying. Just as my Italian friends would say, shut up of your face. You don't want to speak when you don't know what to say. But in this case, Peter nails it. Here's Peter's answer. Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. He nailed it. He got it absolutely right. Now look, Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, or Simon, son of John, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. In other words, you made a correct statement but you didn't make this statement out of your intellect. You did not make this statement out of your understanding. You did not make this statement out of your learning. But you made this statement that I am the Christ, the son of the living God, by a revelation that my father gave to you. It was not of yourself that you spoke words of wisdom. It was the revelation of my father that allowed you to speak these words of wisdom. Then Jesus goes on to say, notice we can't take a verse and pull it out of its setting. We must consider the setting that it is in. In the continuation, and if you're reading a red-letter edition, all these words are in red because Jesus is still speaking. And he said, I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. Now, before everybody thinks that Catholic doctrine is correct, Jesus did not say that I am building my church on you, Peter. That's not what he's building on. He said, I am building 
on the revelation that you receive from my father that I am the Christ, the son of the living God. And it is on that revelation that I am building and establishing my church. And that word in the Greek is the word ecclesia, my called out ones. I am building my ecclesia on the revelation that I am the Christ, the son of the living God. And it's yes. on that revelation that I will build this. And it is on that revelation that the gates of hell will not, cannot, shall not prevail against nor overcome only on the revelation that I am the Christ, the son of the living God. He was not saying he was building the church on Peter. Why would you build the church on a guy that had a 50% batting average? You want something that's going to knock it out of the park every time. Why do you want to build the church on a guy that didn't know what to say and he said? Why do you want to build the church on the guy that, oh, Lord, it's good for us to be? No. Jesus was not building the church on Peter. He was building the church on revelation knowledge. And so it is important when we get to talking about discipleship, when we get to talking about foundations, that we get revelation of basic Bible doctrines. Do we even know who we are in Christ? I remember one of the books that Dad Hagen had out years ago. It was one of them little mini books, and it was called In him. And in that book, it was one of them little tiny ones. And they used to sell them for 50 cents back in the day. I don't know what they sell for now, but they used to be 50 cents back in the day. I'm, I know I'm dating myself. I think but, they, did. they were. They're about, they're about $3 now. I've, I've had all these people to get it. <laughs> $3, 50 cents back in the day. But in, in that little book, Dad Hagen went through and he said, every time you find in scripture where you see that it says in him or in Christ, or you see by him or by Christ or through him or through Christ, write your name because it's talking about you. We used to call them new creation realities. This is who you are in Christ. I am seated with him in heavenly places. That's who I am. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. In him, we live and move and have our being. Every time you find, but yet, you begin to talk about some of these new creation realities and people will look at you like a dog at a new pan. They'll look at you like a cow at a new gate. And if I really want to date myself, they will look at you like the RCA Victor dog. Because it's foreign to them. But Jesus said, on this revelation of who I am, 
and who you are in me. That revelation is what I'm building all of my ecclesia upon. And it's on this revelation that the gates of hell will not prevail. And so we need systematic, disciplined instruction so that revelation can come. What did the apostles teach? Oh, I am glad you asked. The apostles taught Romans, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, we call them the epistles, the letters that the apostles wrote. We call it 1 Peter, 2 Peter. We call it Hebrews. We call it 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. We call it Jude. We call it Philemon. We, we call it James. What are we talking about? The epistles that the apostles wrote to the church. If you want to be grounded in the word of God, you better study the epistles. Now, I know people say to read the Gospels. Yeah, the Gospels get you to know who Jesus is, who Jesus was, and what Jesus did. And Jesus said, I only do the things that I see my father do. I only say what I hear my father say. He said, my words are not my own, but they are the words of him that sent me. It is my father that does the works. My father is working in me. And while it is day, we must work the works of him that sent us. For a day is coming when those days of works will be done. And so, yes, we get that from the Gospels. We get living in the power of the Spirit and the operation of the Spirit in the book of Acts. I know they're called the Acts of the Apostles, but actually they're the Acts of the Holy Spirit through apostles and apostolic people. For Stephen was not an apostle, but he was an apostolic person. Philip was an evangelist, but he was an apostolic person. We ought to just tell those folks that named it the Acts of the Apostles, and it should say the Acts of the Holy Spirit through apostles and apostolic people. Because it begins with, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And so it's all about the operation and the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And we learn that and how to cooperate with the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts. But when we come to the epistles, now we know what the apostles taught. And in the book of Acts, in chapter 2, they, demote, they devoted themselves to breaking of bread, to fellowship, to prayer, and to the apostles' doctrine. Now, doctrine, all it means is teaching. They devoted themselves to what the apostles taught. I wish... We could get folks in the church today to be devoted to what the apostles taught. I also want you to notice, while I just mentioned it, that notice it does not say that they continued steadfastly in the doctrine of the pastor. 
That's not what it says. It did not say that they continued steadfastly in the prophet's doctrine. That's not what it says. It did not say that they continued steadfastly in the evangelist doctrine. And they did not devote themselves and continue steadfastly in the teacher's doctrine. But they devoted themselves and continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. You know what that means? Only apostles are graced with the authority and the ability to set doctrine. And when you have other ascension gifts setting doctrine, you are an accident going somewhere to happen. Please because open that up more. Please open that up. Because the people, the people, we, ah, yeah, 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 yeah. Come on. It was the apostles that set the doctrine. Because it was the apostles that walked with the master and talked with the master. And, and Jesus said, it's been given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom. He called a ragtag bunch of folks. And he called them that they might be with him. And then after they were with him, he named them as apostles. Wasn't until they were with him. It wasn't until he had imparted who he was. It wasn't until there was revelation that the father gave. It wasn't until they saw and they could receive of them. See, I talk to everybody else in parables because it's not given unto them to know the mysteries of the kingdom, but it is given unto you. And so when Jesus spoke in parables, while everybody else was scratching their head, trying to figure out what he meant, then he took the apostles aside, just like Priscilla and Aquila did with Apollos. They took him aside and explained the way of the Lord to him more fully. Jesus took the apostles aside and he unveiled the parables to them so that they would understand. And look how often you find where Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is like. The kingdom of heaven is like. The kingdom of heaven is like. So that we would understand what we were born into. I heard a man of God say this many times before he went home to be with the Lord. And he said, we have lost kingdom culture and don't even realize that we have. See, the kingdom that we've been born into is an upside down kingdom. The kingdom that we are in is if you want to be great in the kingdom, you've got to be servant of all. The Bible says that he who exalts himself will be humbled. And he who humbles himself will be exalted. It's an upside down kingdom. And so the Bible says that Jesus went about all Galilee teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom 
and healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. Notice the message that Jesus was preaching. He was preaching the gospel of the kingdom, not the gospel of salvation. Salvation is part of the gospel of the kingdom, but it is not the totality of the gospel of the kingdom. Salvation is your entryway into the kingdom. But now that you're in the kingdom, you've got to learn kingdom protocol. You've got to learn the laws of the kingdom. You've got to learn the ways of the king. You've got to learn kingdom. That requires disciplined instruction. And you know what the apostles taught? The kingdom. John the Baptist came to prepare the way of the Lord. And you know what he was preaching out in the wilderness? Repentance and the kingdom. They said to Jesus, you cast out devils by Beelzebub, the prince of the devils. And he said, well, then who do your sons cast out devils by? Any house divided against itself will not stand. So if I cast out devils by Beelzebub, then the kingdom is divided and it will not stand. But if I cast out devils by the finger of God, then the kingdom has come near unto you. And over and over, you find that Jesus said, the kingdom is at hand. The kingdom is at hand. That means it is so near to you that you can reach out and touch it and grab it. And then the disciples said, oh, Lord, teach us to pray. And he said, when you pray, pray to your father. Our father who art in heaven, you pray to your father. Hallowed be thy name. You come and address him as father, not as the almighty not as the great big ogre sitting on the throne with the billy club waiting for you to step over the line to play whack-a-mole on your head when you miss it. You address him as father. Remember when, when, when Mary came to the tomb? Don't touch me yet, for I have not yet ascended to my father and your father, to my God and to your God. You've got to get a father image and a father mentality if you're going to have a secure foundation to be built upon. So when you pray, pray our Father who art in heaven. Hallowed be thy name. I'm not just coming into your presence with a laundry list of gimme, 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 my name is Jimmy. I'm going to come and I'm going to bless your name. I'm going to worship you. I'm going to praise you before I ask you for anything. 
I am going to give you the honor and the reverence that you deserve. You're my daddy. Jesus is my older brother. I'm washed in the blood of the lamb. And I have a right to be here. Let us come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain help and mercy. And that I don't come sheepishly. I don't come backing in and begging it. Oh, God, if it's all right for me to come. No, he said, come boldly. Come with confidence. So I come to my father because of the completed work of the risen, ascended Christ. And I come to the father in the name of Jesus through the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I worship him. I adore him. I bless his name. And then he said, after you've done that, now you can get down to business. You can't even do kingdom business until you recognize your father and you bless him and worship him. And we've got people trying to execute kingdom decrees without being in a father-son relationship. They're operating from an orphan heart out of works. And so he's saying, come to your father. And bless him and worship him. Now we can do kingdom business. And he said, what you pray is thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in the earth exactly as it is in heaven. Notice Jesus said to pray thy kingdom come. He did not tell us to pray my kingdom come. And I think we got an awful lot of preachers today that got that backwards. Because they're busy building their kingdom and not building his. But our job is to build and establish his kingdom. What am I talking about? I'm talking about foundations that we've got to be built on. I'm talking about laying proper biblical foundations within our life. We've got to have an identity with the Father as sons of God. But as many... As receive him to them who, them who, them who have received him. To those that have received him, he has given them the right, the legal right, the power of attorney, the privilege, the honor to be called sons of God. Not worms, not old sinners saved by grace. Not, oh, maybe one day I'll attain to. No, if as many as received him, he has given the right, the privilege, the authority, the honor to be called sons of God. See, we're talking about getting some revelation. There's more revelation to get. Jesus said, I'm building my ecclesia on revelation knowledge. But if you're not taught the foundations, if you're not taught what the ecclesia is built upon, if you don't get revelation knowledge from God, if the spirit of God doesn't take logos and turn it into rhema inside of your spirit, you've got theory, but you don't have reality. You are no. Go ahead. I want you to touch on something before we before we're finished here. Before we get ended, you know one of the things that people are saying, and this is people that are supposed to be kingdom people, is that those 
original uh, uh, apostles that were with Jesus, um, you know, this is what happened with them. But they forget about Paul and they forget about those now. We are as much apostles as Paul, as Peter. Uh, uh, I was going to say Peter, Paul, and Mary, but that wouldn't be right. But well, anyway. How about we mess folk up really bad and say we are as much apostles as Junia was? Yes. <laughs> because I read in Romans chapter 16 that Junia was noted among the apostles. Yes. Now, if you're noted, that means everybody know who you is. That's right. That's and right. She was noted among yes. the apostles. Yes. And Paul said she was in Christ before me. That's and right. She was a fellow. He extended to her all the rights and privileges of apostleship, named her as such. Now, that's going to mess up a lot of religious folk. <laughs> but you are every bit apostle as Junia was, and so am I. <laughs> See, the thing about being an apostle is it's not something you are appointed to. No. It's something that you are called to. You don't appoint apostles. God calls them. Because in Acts 13, separate unto me Barnabas and Saul. Barnabas wasn't the original 12, but he was an apostle. That's right. Separate unto me Barnabas and Saul for the work that I have called them to. And then they fasted and prayed some more. And then they laid hands on them and they sent them out. And the very next verse says, so being sent out by the Holy Ghost. So who sent them? The other prophets and teachers that were at Antioch or the Holy Ghost? And the truth of the matter is both. Yes. Yes. Both. They yes. were sent and by what both. What heaven did, earth had to recognize. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And you've got 15 seconds to wrap it up. <laughs> thank, thank you. This is really telling like it is with Apostle, with, with, ah, with Apostle, Apostle Michael Fram. When I was on his, pro oh, we're overtime. We'll be back next week when we're here to really tell it like it is. Bye-bye, people. <laughs>